Hey everyone, uh, I'm B, the DM of the Frostwalkers podcast. Uh, you're probably wondering why I'm introducing myself so weirdly. Um, this is a very special uh, episode, it's not even a real episode of the show. A few weeks ago, my two great friends, uh, Spyglass Realms, who runs the podcast Starhopper Radio and is soon to be uh, the DM of the Escape Artists, and Lance, uh, who runs the amazing 20-sided adventures podcast um who's also the the man behind Sito, uh sat down and had just a fun chat about all things dming we had some questions from people on the frostwalker server um and we're hoping to make this a bit more regular of a thing um just something where we can sit down talk and Mostly detox. I also apologize for the super late recording of this episode. That's uh, uh, that's on me. Um, just a lot of personal stuff going on right now, but that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> hopefully within some time this week, we'll be doing an announcement about things like a Patreon and coffee in the near future, if you want to support Frostwalkers. I'll also be... Uh, leaving links to the work of Spyglass and Lance in the uh, <clears throat> in the show notes and uh, promo for 27 Adventures will end the episode of 3DMs in a Tavern. <laughs> without further ado, I'm going to uh, let the music take us away as we enter the Multiverse Cafe and uh, hear the Insane ramblings of three dungeon masters in a tavern.
now recording. God, I hate that voice. <laughs> Alright, so yeah. Um, That's no real. haunt my not- nightmares forever. Oh yeah, for sure. Be? No problem. <sighs> uh, no, no real plan. Um, I think so that way we can get them out of our system before we just shoot the shit. Um, we'll start with the things people had the audacity to ask me. <laughs> um, but beforehand, I think maybe... Eh, well, I mean, we know each other, but... We know each other, but maybe newcomers might not. Assuming there's... Especially if they're listening to one podcast and not the others. That's true. Assuming that this is something people listen to. There's a lot of assumptions being made right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for the uninitiated, or maybe just for people answering questions, people who we send the answers to who don't know. Um, I'm B. I'm I'm running the Frostwalkers, and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm Doug, a Spyglass. Uh, I run um, the Escape Artist, and I also don't know what I'm doing. And I'm Lance, and I run the Twenty Sided Adventure Space Days. And I'd say I know what I'm doing, but that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good to know we're all on even terms. Alright, <clears throat> so there are a few things people asked that I thought were pretty good questions. And I want to just jump into those before uh, I forget them. Because I will forget. I'm clinically known for forgetting. So the first one comes from a personal friend of mine who goes by Vignal Nebula on Discord, but I know them better as Mocha. Um, and they asked me a few days ago, Hey, sorry to be a bother, but in our D&D group, I called dibs to DM our next campaign, and I honestly have no idea where to start and what I'm doing. Oh, oh, welcome to the club. I was wondering if you have any tips for a first-time DM. <laughs> trying to make a homebrew. I, I stand firm by the belief that a homebrew can be made starting with a pre-gen story. Oh, yeah, like, homebrew is, there is no, like, right way to do homebrew. It's all, it, there's a reason why it's called homebrew. Like, it's just whatever you decide to do with it, more or less. It's true. And I mean, you're so I, you don't have the predicament. If you're new to DMing, <laughs> if you're new to DMing as a whole, like I am, I would recommend uh, searching stuff out that might be similar because I guarantee you, somebody has homebrewed something even marginally similar to what you are thinking of. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot. So I, like, yeah. um, I looked up Cybermen stats and I found them. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Not even surprised. Um, I, um, when I was making the test session for um, my podcast and my crew, um, I was looking for a specific kind of. This sounds weird, but I was looking for a specific kind of moth, um, and I just looked up moth creatures D and D, and I found uh, what's called a flame moth, um, and I thought, hey, that's cool, but it's really quite fit with what I have in mind for the theme so I changed it a little bit I tweaked it I gave it some new stuff and now uh, and it became the um the temporal moth so I just changed some stuff around uh and honestly I kind of winged uh, a lot of the AC I thought especially the AC and the um HP while I was doing the test session I had no idea if my players were going to be able to um 
to cope with this thing or not to either whether it would kill them or or they would kill it first um so right. i sort of like, like i actually changed the ac of it or i changed the hp of it several times during the fight because i had no idea which way the fight was going and so <laughs> i feel that so it hard. was it was actually um it was on the higher end when our cleric finally decided, yeah, I'm going to cast uh, Inflict Wounds and rolled like 21 points of damage. I had a breakdown over this spell. <laughs> he fucking rolled 21 points of I damage. Had... And I'm just like, holy shit, you murdered this thing. You flat out killed it. If it were a character, it would not have gotten death <laughs> saves. It would have been knocked straight dead. Oh, no. oh. Wow. Oh, God. I was so pissed today. Uh Small side tangent, but that's what this is for. I was playing with my college buddies. We finally set up Roll20 for it and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was my friend Sal running it, which meant I get my chance to play Janice, you know, the, the yearly affair yes. that I get to be a player character. And not only did I get the spell Guardian of Nature, which was awesome, um, but on top of that, the fight was against a vampire, and I had Moonbeam, which is a radiant light. And I said... <laughs> Ooh. I said one sentence that made Sal, my, my friend, my DM, uh, almost leave the call. And that was, well, Moonlight's just reflection of the sun. <laughs> and he was like, you're right, though. His response was, you're not wrong. And I'm like, so if I cast this moonbeam right on him, would he get the damage from standing in sunlight? It's just like, I cast. <laughs> And I was like, great. By the way, I'm casting. So, as a DM, DM, I'm going to say my call would be to give him half. That would have worked, yeah. But I think he just thought that the vampire was way too OP. Because we were, like, level 6. And this thing was, like, full-fledged vampire. Like, Yeah, probably, like, a CR. I don't know. And so I just nuked it with Moonbeam. And he was like, alright, he's gonna leave. I'm like, when you need the moon. He's like, I know when you need the (laughs) Moonbeam. He took the damage again. I'm like, cool. Bonus action. Yoink. <laughs> and he's just like, Bobby, <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> and that's the story of how Janice became a vampire slayer by standing there and yoinking a beam of light around. <laughs> that's amazing. It's but fucking I, beautiful. I did the same thing with the, uh, the Frostworm mm-hmm. from episode one. Uh, I was like, yeah, Ice Planet, Frostworm, that's perfect. Looks up Frostworm. Oh my god, this is gonna kill them. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it, the the normal stats for uh, a Frostworm, like, with its second attack, it was like eight d ten of damage, and I'm just like, holy shit, they are gonna die. Let's just nerf this down a little bit. Take SCP, whatever the fuck, to it. See, that really is the beauty of being a DM, is it's all it's your true. choice. Yeah. Like, you don't have to... You don't, you don't have to subscribe to even other yeah. people's homebrew. Is mm-hmm. You can just... It's modular. That's the whole point of the game, is you can modify it however the hell it's you true. want. And sometimes you don't even need a hardcore number. Sometimes you could just kill the thing when you feel like you, they've earned it, you know? Oh, yeah. For example, oh, yeah, uh, in the fifth episode... Of, of Frostwalkers, there was the the first real big boss battle, um, which was the first tags 
it's com it's story related and kind of complicated. But like the Frost Wolf is what I dubbed the thing, the giant thing that was totally not just the frozen boss from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I just listened. <clears throat> yeah, a uh, bit about day. that. Then I, I since I made it up, I I found a stat block maker at my job during my off time and just started punching in numbers to see what happened for fun. Um, and oh, that's awesome. what I remembered succinctly was thinking, what if I just took a bunch of ice spells I already have memorized thanks to Kalum, made them their attacks, like same damage calculations, same everything. But just called them something different. So their bite was just frostbite. The tail shot was just ice knife. Like, because I knew those damage calculations. You know what I mean? And then what ended up happening with their HP yeah. and their AC was I built in a fun thing where someone hit it with fire, their AC would go down because it was made of ice. Like, its protection would wear it off. I was like, that's cool. And then Shay hit it with Moonbeam. And I was like, it's radiant fire. <laughs> That's close enough. So I counted it. Yeah. And then Leona hit it was. The thing was, that was Shay, a cool fucking the, scene, you know how though. right before Leona killed it uh, with Thunderwave, Sari had gotten like a nat pony with a flurry of blows. That should have done it. That like numerics wise, that would have been yeah. the killing blow. But I knew that Rowan was right next on the turn order, and I knew Rowan getting the kill on this thing was such a better story beat. So then, like, after the episode, I told, I came oh, clean to Livia. Yeah. I was like, look, just so you know, that, that uh, Flurry of Blows should have absolutely killed it. But I just, I really thought Rowan getting the kill was a better story beat. And Livia's response was like, as someone who's DM'd in the past, I agree, you did the right thing. <laughs> and, I, and she's like, I'm surprised you told me. She's like, I'm surprised you told me. I would not have known. That's valid. Like, I just felt bad, man. Because sorry, had a nat twenty and a flurry of blows, and I feel like I completely stole her thunder. She's like, "Nah, man. Sorry, got the kill last episode." <laughs> <laughs> well, almost dead with the exact That's same right. strategy. Sorry's great because I well, don't need to wonder what she's dead. gonna do. It's punch flurry of blows. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I know her plan. It's great. Monks are very cool. Monks are fun in general. Like, um, one of my players is playing a monk, and by accident, like, um, actually, I was we were I was working with her on the stat block, um, uh, because this is her first time playing, and I accidentally said something like, um, I think I accidentally made reference to eight foot vertical leap, and, and um, she begged me to keep it, and I'm like, okay, fine, and then uh, so her character canonically has an eight foot vertical leap. And then, when we were doing the, uh, when I was explaining the key stuff, apparently, if you use Step of the Wind, you can, um, you can, like, double jump height. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, that means, and she goes, 16 foot <laughs> vertical leaps! I'm like, god damn it! <laughs> I had no choice! So I played a uh, I played a monk, and it was actually a homebrew that Kaz had come up with. Uh, it was these tieflings uh, have Earth Genasi heritage, so their horns. Oh, that's are, awesome! Uh, like gemstones. Ooh. 
And so I had a Why is that the cool? I'm just grabbing a notepad really like quick. That's so cool. Yeah. Just gonna yoink that. <laughs> She's probably one of the bad like most badass characters I've ever played. But we were doing this campaign and she had gotten uh the DM was like, Hey, you guys get to pick a rare item from this list. And I'm like, huh. I asked him, I'm like, can Lila grab the foldable ship? And he's like, what? It's a, a rare oh, it's one of the foldable ship. And what it is, is it's a little so tiny much. box, and you throw it, and you you say uh, a word, and uh, on one keyword, it turns into a small, like, boat. On another word, it turns into, like, a 25-foot ship. And holy so, shit! Holy or, shit. holy ship, I should say. And so we were in the middle of fighting these cultists, and Lila climbed up on the roof of this building. Oh my god. And it's just like, hey, motherfuckers. And she's like, eat ship! And she threw the ship <laughs> over them and said the word, and it transformed into a giant, uh, gi- giant ship. And they had to roll a deck say, uh, I think 21. And each of them took uh, 10 d20 oh. of damage. Oh, that's so awesome! <laughs> it was fucking legend. Yes, and I will always remember that moment of just her yeeting the ship at her enemies. And then everybody else came out, and there's just this giant ship in the middle of town that crushed, <laughs> like 30 cultists. It was it was good. That was one of my prouder moments, not gonna lie. So I mean oh. there is so much you can do with like that's good for the story. Let your let your players do it. It could be worth that's it. That's true. Yeah, I mean, my honest-to-God advice for starting up, like, a whole new thing with DMing, honest-to-God, grab, like, one of the pay-what-you-want or, like, really cheap modules off of DM Guild. My personal favorite is, like, Secrets of Skyhorn Lighthouse, because it's, there's so much creepy stuff and stuff that the, they wrote for Skyhorn Lighthouse only, like, a whole new race of creatures. That'll definitely spook them. Uh, mm-hmm. Or even just start with Lost Minds of Fandel. I mean, that's what the Adventure Zone did, and it's the fucking Adventure Zone. <laughs> like, True like, if the Adventure Zone got away True. with just fucking doing the first mission of Lost Minds of Fandelver, and then it turned into, you know, balance, I think you'll be fine doing anything like that. <clears throat> so, uh, I guess while we're talking on terms of modules, does anyone have like a favorite pre-written thing that they've ran? My personal favorite is Dragon Heist because oh my god, it's so cool. So uh I have no previous DM experience. That's, my that's only fair. experience DMing is in a homebrew. Same. So I really could not I, say. Like we we own uh, probably eight books, but I'm not that's fair. I mean, <clears throat> my other suggestion would be, uh, I really like, I really like Dragon Heist. Dragon Heist is fun. You, you can use the Xanathar and in the same story, and that blows my mind. Um, <clears throat> of Strahd's a favorite. Everyone likes Strahd. I mean, unless you want to have a fun campaign where no one gets sad, in which case, don't do Strahd. <laughs> 
my only time being a PC in Strahd, <laughs> there was a TPK. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. There was a TPK. Oh. I thought because you said TP it was day. because they like, made it to town. I left. Oh. I had to leave early. I was playing their cleric, so me leaving was problem number one. Uh, but the more egregious problem was because oh. just the way the tarot cards worked, they got the sun sword really fucking early, and they had a really overconfident Goliath barbarian who was just like, "We got oh, the no. sun sword," and he legit called out Strahd. In the middle of Barovia, just like come and fight me, bitch, and he did. <laughs> yeah, and so Strahd did that. Drax, and then he killed destroyer all from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Because Strahd CR fifteen, and these fuckers were level two. Holy shit! I, I, when I when I got I left early because I had to, <laughs> I think I had something to do, and when I called later, I was like, "Hey, Graham, how'd the game go? Everyone died." I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so yeah, Curse of Strahd's a good time. Just don't let your players be stupid. <laughs> That's pretty sa sage advice in any circumstance, no matter what. Uh, just don't let your players yeah. be stupid. You, you as the DM have the right to say no. Like that is a thing that you have in your toolbox, of, or as my favorite, absolutely not. Say, <laughs> no, I can't let you do that. Yeah, I think I've said absolutely not a few times. I'm yeah, sure. the more colorful version of it. I think my biggest advice for anybody who wants to start DMing is don't try to write out your thing as a story. Write it out as like an outline and bullet points and what you want like where you want them to go because i can guarantee you 100 absolutely <clears throat> that they will not do what you want to do they will find some way to derail it they will find some person to talk oh to god who never created and oh believe me i know so do not rely on a I story have... rely on bullet mm -hmm. points because they will they will find a way and if you don't think you have enough <laughs> yep. you do trust me Yep. Um, that's the one thing that you really do need to have as a skill as a DM is improv. You need to be able to make shit up on the fly. Because I, um, one of my players, in the very first episode of um, The Escape Artists, which will be out soon, um, our necromancer threw sort of a curveball at me and he wanted to enchant his book. And so I had to like spin up an enchanter character on the fucking spot. And I think I did okay. I mean, She's just a minor character. But the thing that bugs me, bugged me in the moment and bugged me, bugs me until now is um, that I said she was of orcish heritage and I'd already established a lot of the lore for orcs in, the, uh, in, in my world. And I picked a name just out of the depths of my brain that was absolutely not orcish in nature abs at all. Like, either... D and D standard orcs or Adrianic orcs. I just picked like I don't know Alyssa Davis or something like that, and that is the most mundane name for uh, a member of a culture. Well, I can sort of explain it away canonically by saying, oh, maybe she was. I mean, in all likelihood, she was from not from her 
yeah, yeah. species culture. But like orcs in Adrian are inspired by, by like Polynesian culture and uh their language is inspired by Polynesian language. So I take a lot of like cues from Maori and I just came but with Davis on the fly, and I'm like, shit, in my head, as I was saying this, my mouth was moving, in my head I was going, shit, fuck, I fucked up, shit. <laughs> oh, 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 you want to talk about on-the-fly NPCs with, a, with disastrous implications? Ladies and gentlemen, meet Nephis, the, uh, lo- the episode 6 mail carrier for Kinshul, who was a half-elf with blue hair. And see, the oh, only yeah. thing I come up with was, eh, she's a half-elf, and I'll give her kind of like a rebellious hair look. So I gave her like sort of a punk blue, you know? I thought that'd be neat. And then someone was like, oh, is she yeah. an Andre related? Because Andre has like the really big red hair. I'm like, I don't know. I just needed a name. And I was to God for her name. I had the player's handbook on me. God. <clears throat> and so I just flipped to the human names and found one that sounded neat. But, uh, Oh yeah. Oh, I do that too. I mm-hmm. have a I have a name generator up during That's each campaign just in brilliant. case. That's actually really smart, but I don't know of any. That's like, fair. Uh, the other Polynesian thing I name generator. You think Mercer? Because uh, so there's I just no sort of like Mercer, which I was watched religiously when I got into DMing. Um, he like because he knew the cultures of the characters. He found names from those cultures and wrote them down on sticky notes, with like in bold the words being like. Gnome names, orc names. So then they were. So maybe for you, that might be a good idea, Spy. Yeah, I mean, for for gnome names especially, like that's going to be pretty easy because gnomes are sort of like a oh, that's inspired fun. by like Celtic and um, pre certainly pre Roman mm-hmm. um, British Isles, but um, they have more like like Welsh names basically, like. Celtic and uh, sorry, Celtic and um, Welsh yeah. and stuff like that, which is some of the most common yeah. surnames today. That's fair. So, um, yeah. hmm? moral of the story, Mocha: Do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, that's wonderful. Christ. Okay. Oh, we kind of answered okay. this next one a little bit in our tangents. So, yay us. Um. Pixie asked, uh, how do you plan good? I can't plan good. I need advice on how to plan good. You don't so plan here's good. the thing. I overplanned oh, for my first mm-hmm. gameplay session. Mm-hmm. I have like a five-page document just mm-hmm. about the first oh, session. Oh, uh, oh. I planned out like five, five separate locations in the city that they had the option to go to. But, like, halfway through writing these, I thought, no, nah, I know exactly where they're going to go. And it, it, coincidentally, that's exactly where they need to go. <laughs> so I'm just going to write out, I'm going to finish writing out the stuff for the places that they need to go, which were, of course, the Tavern and the Arcane Science Institute, because I was playing with a drunkard monk and a um, necromancer who got, almost got his medical so I just I knew where they were gonna go, but I just wanted to have options. And then halfway through writing these other options, I'm like, yeah, fuck it, they're not gonna bother with these. So that actually it makes me think of a tweet that I just saved um, last night from Seth or Amy on Twitter. They said, "Me DMing my first few sessions, 
I have 46 pages of notes and 28 tabs of the DMG and PHB open. I'm nervous. Me preparing for my 14th session. Who knows what's going to happen? Definitely not me. Least of all me. My intention <laughs> is to eat this quarter page of notes five minutes into the game. Yep. So, oh, yeah. that's, that's such a call-out post. I know. I had because, to save it. Because, um... Little backstory on the Frostwalkers. I think I've told you guys this, but for the sake of people listening, if people listen. Um, it started off as a setting for a home game. You know the whole bullshit with Caelan and the Shadow Dragon? That was supposed to be the campaign. That was the campaign I was writing. The Shadow Dragon was the big antagonist. And I'll tell you this, because we're, you know, spilling our guts. Um, Christ, this is so embarrassing. You want to know why I picked the Shadow Dragon? Because I started the campaign wanting something like Ultra Necrozma from Ultra Sun and Moon. Fuck yes, that's <laughs> so valid. You're so valid. I saw that giant light dragon and went, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, that's so valid. The idea, I, I the idea of it that. eating light, and I was like, wow, that could be a really devastating thing. But, you know, Pokemon's Pokemon doesn't really touch on how fucking devastating that would be to a society. Um,. <clears throat> I was just like, yeah, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> that, that sounds cool. So then I brought it to my buddy Jackson. I was like, I want this. And he's just like, oh, you need help. <laughs> and so he, he showed me a shadow dragon. And I was like, that works. And so that was going to be the campaign. The party was going to start up in Timshul. Timshul wasn't actually supposed to be that important. It was just sort of their hub town where nothing would happen and they could feel safe there. Um, and eventually... Right. Until a but the first session there... Well, basically the whole map out of the first game I DM'd with these people. I still have it. They got into town. Uh, these half-dragons were... These half-shadow dragons were attacking using the half-dragon veteran stats. They were like, Star 5. They were pretty cool, though. Because um, it was the first time they'd ever come across something that wasn't in Lost Minds of Fandelver. And so to throw them into something that different and weird that early was fun. Um, and then the boss fight... Then the boss fight was just cool. a flat-out white <laughs> dragon. Just that was perching... No, because it was uh, young, which was six, and they were like six, so it was pretty even, actually. I was worried, but they, they did it. I actually had to buff the thing's health to make it more of a threat, to be honest. But, uh, it was a really fun Fair. fight, but I remember I had pages upon pages of notes for this, including, like, what each shop had, and I remember kicking myself in the pants because someone was like, I want to go to, like, a, a place to get a horse. And I'm just like, shit! <laughs> and then I realized, the stable how the fuck was I supposed to know this dude wanted a horse? <laughs> Like and that was sort of what broke me to it because I'd also remember sending Shay and a few other people. Shout out to my buddies on Instagram. Uh, they who refer to their D and D party collectively as the Flourish Gang. Um, <clears throat> the Flour the Flourish Gang. They're wonderful. The what? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, I, I thought you said the Flourish Gang. I remember I'm like, posting what? all my notes and just like, is this good? And I remember they were like, Are you, what? What time is it for you? One a.m. Not important. Right. But I remember when the whole thing with the stables Tell happened, me, I was actually really like, damn, how did I forget that? 
But then I realized, the fuck was I supposed to know that would happen? I can't blame myself for that. I didn't know this fucker would just wake up today and decide a horse. Horse time. And you know what ended up being the horse shopkeeper? A, a centaur named Colt Anderson. Was that slavery? We didn't talk about it. <laughs> Colt Anderson did not have to answer <laughs> Colt Anderson's dispatch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that slavery? But like, we didn't talk about it. That just fucking murdered me. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that was how it, I realized I've the best shit in D&D is when you don't have anything prepared and you kind of gotta roll with And so the first couple episodes of the podcast, because I was like, it's a podcast. It's different. I have to be more professional, TM. You know? I, I had notes. But then as time wore on, I Really, what I need is where they gotta be by the end of the session, and a few ways they can get there, and I'm good. <laughs> I always say, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's kind of the same how it's been with the uh, the twenty SA since they've been on the Dominion. It's like I had planned for them to maybe do two <laughs> episodes with these people. And it's going on seven. Well, that's what happens when you give <laughs> so shippable characters. Like, oh, we'll get to them. I, I got to this point. <laughs> where I was just like, I know. It's like, good God, this is your first real encounter and you're already shipping people. This is what you get oh. for making shippable NPCs. Uh -huh. This is your this is your comeuppance. Romanceable NPCs. But I was just like, I got to this point where I'm like, okay, right. I have the basis of right. when I first made the Dominion. Oh, I need more. What's on there. <laughs> and I get to this point where I'm like, huh. It like Friday night comes. Well, Friday night comes along, and I'm just like, oh, we, we campaign Saturday. Down some notes for key points to have them do. Huh. Okay. So I'll jot down like a quarter page of notes, and I'm like, I'm just gonna You guys get to do what you want today because this <laughs> is apparently another downtime episode. Go for it. Oh, this happened, and that's where we're gonna yeah. end it. Oh, my favorite episode like... to record was Maelstrom, the, the downtime episode. Because the oh, it, it's great. My I just because that, that was when today. <clears throat> I remember what had happened was I needed a note for Sari because Rowan I knew her brother would send her a message for Leona. I kind of figured it would be Shira because I wanted to develop that relationship more. And when we had Plank, I just made it someone from his group, from his old clan. I was like, okay, that works. And I had, I was just drawing such a blank on Sari. But then I remembered, uh, during one of the Road Rage hours, the joke came up that Abex trained Sari, and that's why she doesn't know how to do anything, because Drunken Master and a little girl who doesn't know what drunkenness is like would equal cartwheels throwing glitter at people and stuff to that effect. <clears throat> because they've seen cartoon drunkenness. And I was like, that's a funny joke. And then, that's all that will ever be. A funny joke. And then when it came time to need something for sorry, I was like, do I really expend my last expensive dignity? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, Bon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just look at very fucking blue Amazing. jeans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first cosplay from Taz. Um, so... 
Honestly, yeah. I so I honestly, I the first episode, I kind of actually had um, I had the exact right amount. Well, I I sort of overplanned with the extra places, but in terms of the places that they went to, I had the right amount of notes taken. Um, and so we we stopped. We we called time exactly where my notes for that session and my notes for the whole campaign up to this point ended are at least well for the details um and so i was incredibly relieved because i thought we were gonna last a lot longer and i would have to bullshit <laughs> a bullet fight um spoilers to my players uh, oh well <laughs> i pulled that in the third there are in-game consequences favorite, uh, for ignoring the was sun. In episode three all the way back in horde of the Inland. I'm sorry if Cass is able to hear us. I'm sorry, Cass, that you ended up in the receiving end of that bullshit. Because as soon as the gang decided, let's let the hag live, I was like, that's a bad idea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cass moved to the uh, bedroom because okay, cool. I think that's, I was that's being cool. too But either way, I was like, it. yeah, this will be so. a fun like homage to early D&D. Dungeon crawl. There'll be some mean locks. They'll kill a hag. It'll just. It'll be great. They let the hag live, and I'm just sitting there, like, well, this ends the entire plan I have for the back like, half of this arc. Shit. <clears throat> oh man, I know. Like, I'm constantly sort of terrified that they are going to, that my players are going to do something that I'm not expecting. And I have to rethink. That's what I did. Everything that I have. The Fosters, because the first half was supposed to die, episode three, and the whole shit that starts, I think, seven onward, at seven to eight. Yeah, it only became seven and eight where this was a plot. Was supposed to be like five to eight. It was supposed to be a much bigger thing, <clears throat> but because they had to seek vengeance on the first hag, you know, I just had to. I was like, shit. What are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? But it was a good exercise. Right. But then I had to put you know, in a good as exercise. As Leona put it, they like, had to finish what okay, they started. Okay, what, what would these hags plan if one of them made it out alive? You know what I mean? It became a good exercise of what the villains had to do. Yeah. yeah. I actually... I had to do something like that uh, for the since the third episode. When oh. Nora oh, yeah. herself to Gabriel. Oh, like you weren't expecting that, were you? I was not expecting that, um, because this is a this, this oh is a guy no, that was, like, in she, of she fucking her, made a call out post on Twitter.com that she's <laughs> pretty much she like she revealed she dropped many faces to reveal oh that she no fuck! with this pirate and this other guy, so she kind of like. Fucked over her team. Now they're on a manhunt for the Miss Lily because they know. Now Gabriel, yeah, Gabriel knows what that ship is and who is the captain of that ship. So he's gonna be looking for botches. So that was the whole thing. I'm like, oh, that kind of, like, that's something. And then I told Kaz today, we were talking about the podcast, and Nora has this really bad habit of splitting the party. She's very sassy and she just wants to go out on her oh, own no. and do her own thing. I told Kaz today, I'm like, look, you know, I'm totally fine with that. But the more she does it, 
they're gonna. Oh yeah, because there were the Sanctum's a shady ass organization. Like, she's gonna. They oh, will yeah. absolutely put a bounty on these fuckers' heads. Oh yeah. Big Brother is watching. Bryce Sanctum will always watch. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> that's creepy as shit. Um, so I think that's a <laughs> good segue into, I believe, the last one people put on this server. Uh, <clears throat> I'll I'll do a quick spot check after this, so to just so that I don't miss anyone's. But uh, I think the last real question, and then we can just get into like if we have anything for each other, and just shooting the shit for a hot minute or so. Um, <clears throat> Lee asks, "How do you deal with a frequently mutating cast in story and in real life?" Um, so some context to Lee's question. Uh, Lee runs a home game. <clears throat> with some like high school college friends, well, I think just high school friends. Um, because of the home game and just the situation she's in, it's not a consistent group. And because it's not a consistent group, people hop in, hop out, you know, uh, on the reg. Uh, I was actually really flattered mm-hmm. because Lee came up to me and was like, hey, could I run this game in Tim Shoal? And I was just like, absolutely. And she was like, cool, could I, like, get, like, a basic amount of things? Not too much spoilers, but, like, Aww. list of character, you know, just a list of NPCs. I was like, oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and I was like, feel free to use, like, a cast as NPCs. But my rule was, like, just, like, don't kill them and don't, like, do anything that would break the world, <laughs> you know? I was, because, like, that's my, yeah. I was just like, just don't kill characters that aren't mine. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah for sure but <clears throat> so thank you lee that was super flattering it made me feel like i was doing a good job um but yeah i guess with a group that comes in and out uh how do you form a story around that um if i'm if i may uh our uh cast is actually kind of mutating um we have four players but for the first few episodes um uh i mean they're in the first uh they're in the setup episode but um for the first few episodes uh it's actually just gonna be the two players um it's just gonna mm-hmm. be lexi and jason playing uh saturn and um katita because of uh extenuating cir- circumstances um because will uh, is sort of uh, a financially volatile situation, uh, and getting situated in a job, um, and uh, Delta is um has uh, long story short, her mm-hmm. data plan is very limited. Uh, Audio recording her Wi Fi is really crappy. Bad gig. Um, gotcha. So she, yeah. Well, it's not. It's not the recording. It's actually, the actual recording is fine, but what happens is she only has enough data, ah. barely, to do one session a month. Oh, wow. And, um, if that, so we're just sort of waiting it out, um, until yeah. the, both of those, mm-hmm. I mean, them can find no, no, sort of better circumstances. Yeah, go, go, keep going. Um, I'm sorry. But, I mean, especially the past few weeks has been just absolute chaos in everybody's yeah. life, especially with me. Uh, I'm sure you guys know why. 
Um, but mm. but uh, now that things have sort of calmed down, I have more time on my right. hands just do sort of whatever. Um, and that includes like yeah, like, that includes of course the escape artist, which I'm mm. sort of putting off editing. Um, but also uh, my other podcasts. Uh, oh God, I love Starhopper Radio. Starhopper. Um, deal the the cast morphed in a really interesting way because like i said i start I, before we got on call we talked for a little bit um <clears throat> it started off with people i knew you know like misty was a friend for about two years Riff was a friend for about two years graham was my friend all throughout high school you know uh the only exceptions to the being people i knew were uh rowan and talia talia was someone who because i i wanted someone who knew the game more than i did so I made lowest of my low points. I joke. Uh, I made a post on Reddit <clears throat> asking about if people wanted to, were interested, and they were like the one person who was in our age range. I love all of the people who were super excited and interested and had characters and were a bit older. But it was like when the crew's collective median age was seventeen or like eighteen, having someone who's like thirty on the show seemed a little, you know. Yeah, like not to say I wouldn't play with them in any other circumstance. I'm sure they're great people, you know. Yeah, that that's the thing, right? But it's just sort of consistency of, uh, and it's Absolutely. it's all about um and because most of the people I knew, I knew bringing from, people um, making sure that your other cast members were comfortable as well. <clears throat> but Megan was in that age range, and Shay I met through an Instagram live stream they were yeah. just doing art and it was a really funny premise it was like i have a someone suggest a dumbass name i'll try and make a character around it and i didn't suggest it someone suggested throbborn i turned it into half work cook boy who used his and great access as a cutting knife <laughs> and the rest is history and what ended up happening just the weirdness of it all Graham oh and Rev God. are two of the people yes. who come on on occasion. Perfect. I was so happy Andre got to be on the on the Arc One finale. Um, but Plank, yeah, uh, Plank didn't. Plank's only showed up a few times. Andre's only showed up a few times. Misty and Shira because they got a really good uh, art school in. Oh yay! Spent like all of last semester working on their portfolio, and all of this semester freaking out about you know starting school. Um, <clears throat> so her time as Shira kind of came to an abrupt halt, but Shira's remained an NPC that Misty has a lot of control over through messages and stuff. Yeah. Um, but inherently, uh, Artie, who plays Leona and Sari uh, with Livy, kind of just were people who started off being like, oh, I'm interested in the show as like a fan. And then eventually, when the time came that we needed people to make a party, <clears throat> they were like, hey, I have this character. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I just went through Instagram today, just on a whim, you know. Sometimes you just read through old messages for shits. I, I was looking through the ones on the Frostwalker server, and the first thing Livy had ever contacted us with was when we were doing that yeah, NPC thing. Where, like, with that feeling. You can submit an NPC to the town, you know? And sure enough, the NPC they enlisted was sorry. It's like, looking back on it, that's hilarious because Sari ends up becoming mm-hmm. one of the main characters. Oops, everyone's favorite character. I love Sari. Um, but like, Tim Schull's great for that because it's set in a town that people live in. So, Sari is so good. 
I love it. Yeah, it's Yeah, just they're that's completely what living I love the down. most about Tim Shaw is That's that my big the setting scare with really the Ravnica enables interludes because um, the inherently easy explanation the people of when he was in getting that attacked. storyline are the people who ended up being warped there, which are Leona, Sari, Rowan, Andre, Plank, who I threw in as an NPC just in case Graham wanted to show up, and uh, Mason, you know, uh, another NPC, and Caleb. But inherently, if... Rev, if two of my players can't make it, like, I'm, I'm kind of screwed for that whole week of recording. Um, that's my fear with the Ravnican interlude. But uh, at the same time, I'm very confident that at this point, that like at least Yeah. Rowan, Leona, and Sari have always sort of turned into my A cast, who are always kind of there. So I'm I'm kind of confident, but you know. That's the thing about a mutating cast. You can explain it away, especially in a home game where you're not recording. Uh, that's one of those things where a podcast kind of hurts the being able to explain just shit away. Oh, yeah. Continuity is much more important in podcasting than it is in home games, because, like, when I couldn't make it to... I, I was almost universally late to uh, the game where Jatai was originally uh, my character. Um, and their consistent excuse was, if I, if I just couldn't make it to a game at all, they left me back in a tavern with some catnip. Um, or uh, if I was late, they basically either I showed up late in character Yeah, it's and was just like, all right, no, it, all that's right, what the fuck that's have the you beauty guys done of home now? games. There's a lot less Um, or stress. I've just And like I think been this leads into napping something I think in the three corner of us will or agree something. on. <laughs> you know, doing typical cat stuff. Uh, In the age of D&D &D podcasting, as much as it's great, I love it, and I have to owe a lot to it. I think casual D&D &D has a weird thing where they want to be like, where people say, like, why isn't my home game like Taz or Critical Role? And that's because inherently it's a different. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it's a different it's a different sort of format, it's a different For environment sure. Like, and the best it's thing... different people too. Yeah. You don't... You never want to compare your podcast to another podcast. Like, everybody's podcast is completely different and try, like, getting upset. That's a... You know, I actually had a little bit of a that about two weeks ago i was just like oh i don't know if our podcast is really that great and like it's, it's Yeah, nice exactly. to listen to And the that's other my ones thing. and my crew like, came and like slapped me I, and they're just like shut what up I've found so interesting about start this community writing more versus others we're playing this saturday i'm like is about having fun. with different podcasts, there is that feeling of everyone's is different, everyone can do their own thing, and it's nice. But like, as a creator, as someone who likes writing and likes doing their own thing, to me, what's exciting is that there's such an ease of collaborative access. Like, with other communities, if you wanted to do a collaboration project, it, it, it's a lot harder because there's different mediums involved and stuff like that, you know? With this, it's like, you're playing the same game. You know the basic rules. So long as you could craft a story where a collaboration of sorts makes sense, you can Yeah. do it.
easily and it's fun you know what i mean like why that's my thing why compete when you can collaborate is my is where i'm always is my sort of mantra and it's like well that and also like for example having abex be a character in the show because i needed one and then the whole thing with the tarot card and invo that was just crossovers are the shit I'm, i know what i'm sorry if it came off as like me being like can i please can i please or kind of annoyingly but like for me that was the coolest shit because it was like this is someone else's baby and they have entrusted me with doing well with it, and i want to do right <clears throat> it's like but on the other hand as a creator it's like there's a lot of awesome feeling when you get to show someone else's thing off and be like, hey, this is really fucking cool. Oh, bless you. Oh, absolutely. I know that feeling so much. Um, And real quick. (laughs) Bless you. I just sneezed so hard I knocked my headphones off. I heard that. That was was intense. It's okay, I sneeze like a little kitten, so <laughs> it it evens out. Yeah. Um oh, yeah. on the subject of both um doing things right and showing off other people's stuff. I think I was there for this. Um, was this presentation the, this is the first time you told me about the like that story, I think. Super important to me. And I was talking to Shay about it uh like a week ago or so. Um <clears throat> Yeah, because like I have so much respect for indigenous cultures and uh, of any sort and i really yeah um, i'm kind of sick and tired of european fantasy i mean it's i enjoy it but it gets old after a while and there's a huge world that we live in that needs to be explored um in fiction and so representation is super important to me and when I was making Adrian, I took a big hard look at the world. I didn't even really do that at first. I just thought, hmm, what are some cultures that I think are and I don't see a lot of in fantasy fiction? Let's see. Well, of course, there's like Polynesian and Maori culture. There's, oh, I love Inuit culture and Native American culture as a whole. Um, both, both Americas, South and North. Um, and uh, let's throw in some uh, pre-colonial, pre-colonial African culture, uh, halflings, and maybe mix that with like Central Asian, and it just sort of spiraled from there. And I ended up with like the lizard folk are inspired by um, Mesoamer- ancient Mesoamerican culture, and it, it's just it's evolved into something that's way more diverse than any other fantasy world that i've seen so far. yes um, um and sort of real quick plug here in case this gets published uh support swords fall on kickstarter it looks so um, cool swords fall is so fucking cool i love it and i really want to do a game there once it's released um it's so <laughs> fucking cool and the the team and the creators are amazing people um but yeah so one of the main driving forces of Adrian is representing right. a much wider scope of like, hey, if you think this is cool in fantasy, right. you should check out the real thing. Because these people exist in real life to a degree. Um, 
so and that extends also to like yeah. um sort of to a more subtle extent to like lgbt representation um it's like one of our main characters is very outspokenly lesbian and um beyond that like normalize it right it's just mm -hmm. i plan on having npcs that are just you know casually mention yeah. their spouse it being is... like the same gender or just throwing out a they pronoun here and there it's yeah it's not hard it's, it's not. really actually, not we just uh uh like a single father in the last episode there's uh like we're representing <gasps> i have a a little deaf boy at my school that he found out that i was doing a D, D podcast and he was i learned some oh. sign language to talk with him and he told me that his dad plays D D. And so I made a NPC based off of him that's going to be showing up in a little bit. Uh, I have a, you know, blind, there's the LGBTQ uh, representation. And it's all these yeah, little things and... that are kind of like popping up. And it's really cool to like. Yeah. See. Especially like um, disability rep is something that I kind of have to work on. It's I kind of, it, of it's like in a um, weird way. Didn't like when you're playing a game it? of D and D, um, but like, like at base, you know, you have your characters and you have your your monsters. And besides, like townsfolk NPCs, where you're really where you can shine with those representational moments. Like, I feel like especially stuff like disability representation is one of those things that, like, when you're playing typical dungeon crawling, you really don't think about it, you know, unless one of your characters has it. But then, like. I hate to say mm -hmm. it because, like, I bet you, especially in like early editions of D and D, like stuff like that would absolutely constitute like almost bad, like bad consequences when in all reality, not that in real life, you know. But how do you show it in a game, you know? Which is like, again, mm -hmm. that's why townsfolk NPC nice way to do that because yeah. when you're doing monsters and your characters alone in a woods somewhere. That's not something that really comes up, so unless one of your characters is exactly unless one of your characters is, yeah, yeah, and we we actually talked about this I talked about this with um Saturn's player um both both me and Saturn's player, Jason, are on the autism spectrum, and we agree that like yeah, Saturn, just the way he is, we think he's also on the spectrum, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and he's a half elf, and while ordinarily half elves get a bonus to their charisma, we agreed that like, yeah, he's really not a charismatic person. Just <laughs> both by virtue of there autism, some, uh, some forms of the spectrum comes out that. mean, but it's just like, yeah, both both me and I, both me and Jason, right? Like, yeah, no, that's neither of us are particularly charismatic, but um, <laughs> but also. Just just like the way that Saturn, the way that Saturn is as a person, like he's not the most charismatic person. So we agree that, like, yeah. Plus, his bonus should go to intelligence because that's like his thing. He is a genius, but he is an underappreciated genius because his his views and his morality differ from everybody else around him, and that's not a bad thing. Like, 
he genuinely wants to help people, but the way that he's going about it is something is he does or he views that's always interesting in to play with. People don't agree with. Uh, so, I guess short answer to the whole mm-hmm. uh, rotating cast thing is try because you're. I know we went on a tangent, but that's great. Oh no, I'm glad <laughs> we did, and I want to come back to it, but just to deep. bookmark it for Lee, and then we can jump back to just us talking. Because um, that was really the point. My point was some questions, but most of it is us just talking and getting to enjoy each other's company for a bit. Um, <clears throat> book and Lee's question: uh, If you can work it into the story, great. Otherwise, it's a home game. <laughs> like that sounds so condescending, but that's the beauty of like D and D. Don't think about it. Don't don't worry it. about it. <laughs> if a character is not there. Uh, come up with a funny reason that makes the rest of the people at the table laugh. If, if it exactly like like if, they're it, at if home it gets a chuckle out of everyone else in their room, <laughs> and there's no hard feelings about the reason why they couldn't make it, then you'll be surprised how wonderful it is. You know. And another thing you can do is if like if you have. If you have a party and they're like in the middle of doing so, like you guys are in the middle of traveling, uh, what we do for the patron campaign with Lawful Stupid is we only do four players uh, at a turn, but there's eight of us that play. So what it is is we we rotate out, and it's just we it's assumed that the other characters are there, but they're not involved in any fights or anything like that. Yeah, and it works out really well. Like uh, that yeah, that makes sense. Um. <clears throat> yeah, it just depends. Now, I guess I have no questions uh, from other people, which is yeah. But that, that means it gets into my favorite part, questions? where I get to. Mm-hmm. I have a few probing questions I wanted to throw into the room for fun. Uh, uh first one: we danced about the oh, romance right NPC thing, and I kind of want to talk about it because I think in a podcast, especially with Critical Role in the Adventure Zone, a lot of the draw came from some of the ships you know in in critical role you have some like some examples off the top of my head where like percy and vex you know and from the adventure zone of course there was taco and kravitz yeah. uh the thing with barry and loop was awesome barry um, and loop. but like i guess going off of that as people who work both just in D in general and in the case of podcasting uh and i think Lance and I and Spyglass can have a really funny story in a hot minute, but um, because I think we all know the joke I'm about to pull. <laughs> but uh, for the sake of probing questions, um, how do you guys approach that? Like, because yeah, I mean, I know for a lot of the cases, Romance for me, PC. it's a lot of like I got lucky <clears throat> because some of my characters were like. Like with Leona, um, when she was made, I guess, I don't know how much of this already is cool with me telling. I can cut it if she doesn't like it. Um, Leona was made for a Monster of the Week campaign. And so that was easy. Cool. And I got to introduce Mason last episode, which was cool, and start off that train. But then what happened, (laughs) love you, V, but but then what happened was Lilith came on the scene. And instantly was floored. Like, it was so oh, funny. Boy. I love that whole dynamic. But it became a funny thing where it was like, what happens here? And 
what I love about Tim Scholl is that so many of these characters came from other people's brains and like I get to use them. But there's also part of me with like characters specifically like Lilith, who's more of a guest star than a PC, than an NPC, the way Mason is. It's like it's harder to work those out as romances because much briefer time, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll yeah, shut up. But basically, yeah. I got lucky with my romanceable NPCs because a lot of people had who they were kind of interested in going in. And I just was like, okay, I can plug at that, you know? But for people who start with nothing, where, where do you guys come from with that? Uh, um, I'll let Lance go first, because I have really no commentary on this. So, like, okay. With Botches, we, like, we kind of played around with his backstory. I gave him some like, bonds that he already had with people on his home planet and that kind of stuff, and, uh, he, he came to me and he asked me, he's like, hey, can Botches have had a recent, like, you know, a, a thing with this NPC at one point? And I was like, yeah, totally. It's over now, but, you know. Uh, but recently there was a little bit of a shipping thing on Dominion, mm-hmm. which I was not prepared for. Uh, but it worked out really well. Uh, it was between Daythorn and uh, oh yeah, this guy named Martell. And we were not ex- like I was not expecting it to really go anywhere. It turned into more of an awkward uh, kind of like awkward first date thing. Like I let them go like to dinner and. They were both so awkward. It didn't really transform into anything, but they exchanged emails and, uh, which they actually. Wait, hold on. I I'm so sorry, but I have to ask since since Google is Dougal in this, um, <laughs> is it Dmail? Oh no! <laughs> no, that's dirty. That's dirty spy. Actually, it's a. Uh... It didn't. It wasn't meant to be. It was a genuine question instead oh, of Gmail. Oh, no, it's it's space. It. I get it. Now. It's space mail. Um, actually. Okay. You... That's valid. <laughs> Sensible NPC thing. I, I totally, am down with it. Um, there's actually been quite a few shipping already, and it's just like, oh, you're just gonna like. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys are just gonna <laughs> ship with everyone, aren't you? Okay. Um. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Actually, it's not just with you. Like, it's some other shipping Wonderful. going on. Wonderful. I'm glad. I was not expecting it. I'm glad. I'm not the only. It's, glad uh, I'm not the only fucker. Like, I mean, everybody loves Cito. Like everybody's shipping Cito oh, with of course. everyone. And I'm just like, he is a pure bean. Come oh, on, of course. Guys. I don't ship Cito with anyone because I, he's. I mean, I envision him as literally. A child. Well, how old is he? He's, he's like he's, a year he's old. A year yeah, old, yeah, I've always viewed Cito's relationship. I view Sito's relationship with everyone being like the little brother. Yeah, um, absolutely. Same here. Like he's just he's just a small dude who needs to be taught the ways of the world. Not not protected, but just like like start to show he needs to learn about the world. Like any uh, any relationship, you're gonna have to work for it. Things are gonna be really awkward at first. You can't just jump in and be like, "This is my boo now," and you know. 
if it's an M- with an NPC, True. like that's where I come in and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you guys are gonna have to work for it, or they're gonna be awkward, or anything like that. It's between two PCs. It's like, well, then they room. get to work with. They would get to work it out with each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I guess I've been saying I'm sorry enough that we could maybe go into this for the sake of comedy, um, because really, that's all it is for me at this point. Is just it's funny, and if it happens, it happens, and if not, whatever the fuck, you know. Uh, yeah, but that's the that's my thing with romanceable NPCs is you got to keep a, a, the head of if it happens, it happens. If not, whatever the fuck. Like it's just absolutely. If you hater. keep a if you keep a fun like this is fun. This is just a game, and nothing about this really matters outside of the game. You know, like if you keep yeah. that in mind then I think it's fun, and if both people are on board, if it's two PCs, then it's mm-hmm. fine. You know? Mm-hmm. Or if the player, player and the DM are on board and they know the boundaries. Knowing the boundaries yeah. is actually very important. Boundaries are... Yeah, I... Yeah, I was about to say, like, it's really important to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, with two people... Especially... Especially, especially in, like, context of the game. Oh, yeah. And like, in-game not even out just... of game boundaries as well. Yeah... Especially, like, I mean, as the DM, I've set some boundaries with my players. Like, there are right. certain things that we're just not going to do. Like, yeah. I've sort of adopted the same unspoken, no-bummer yeah. policy as the McElroys. Because, like, yeah. this is supposed to be a fun show that people listen to and enjoy. Right. You're not I coming mean, here to... You're not, you're not putting in your headphones excited to hear, like, transphobic jokes. Yeah. That's not exactly. our thing. Right, exactly. My thing is, like, you also need to know the difference between in-game okay and out-of-game okay. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if it's between two PCs, for example, uh, out-of-game, they can talk about whatever they want. And it's fine. But they have to know that that doesn't transfer to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but if, but if everyone's aware of the boundaries, if everyone's just having a good time, then it's one of the most easy ways to throw in a lot of fun hooks for characters. Mm-hmm. But I guess going back to why I've been saying I'm sorry for people who don't know, <laughs> for like the two people who don't know, <laughs> who, who are f- friends with us who don't know. Uh, how did this even start? Oh, I remember exactly how it started because I laugh about it all the time. I made a stupid comment <laughs> on Instagram one time, and then Avon drew a thing, and the rest is history. <laughs> yep. You're talking about Absolutely. Balaam. Balaam. Mm-hmm. Yep. My everyone, only everyone OTP. <laughs> I mean, what's so funny to me about this is, like, as the DM of my show, and as a DM of a podcast, I know the inherent lunacy of this. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is two characters, yeah. one of them in NPC status, another in PC status, from two completely separate shows. Like, inherently... Yep. It makes no sense. And, like, we've joked about doing things with it just for the sake of, like, whatever, you know? As far as I'm concerned, Balaam is coming. There's nothing you can do to change my mind. (laughs) I mean, if it never gets addressed, you can believe what you want, is the great thing about (laughs) D&D. Unless confirmed otherwise. Fill in the blanks is the best part. Fill in the blank. If it doesn't, it. If, if nothing else is said, you can believe what you like. But 
like I don't know if it, I guess for the sake of argument, if I ever or if you guys ever showed up in the Frostwalkers or vice versa, you know, we could play with it for like while we have that time, it could be fun to play with, you know. But yeah. mm-hmm. but inherently, because of the inherent lunacy of the situation, it would be really difficult to make something that made sense, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But then again, you know, if two people are on board with it and everyone, again, if you know the boundaries, if you're having a good time, go for it. Especially if you're in a home game, you know? Like, with us, we have to worry about scheduling and the canons of our respective shows. If you're in a home game, no one gives a shit about that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. um, And I'm just going to throw my personal two cents in here um i don't really have any experience i barely have experience in making npcs in right town, but um i have no experience in making romanceful npcs but you do i'll just say this little statement any npc can be if you're a party with a bar <laughs> god you're right though <laughs> the the rule of thumb is for me when it comes to like if someone instantly becomes attracted to one of the characters i just throw out there because it's happened um <clears throat> Rule of thumb, know who this character is at a baseline. For example, this is a shopkeeper. Does shopkeeper have husband or wife? Yes. Okay. Will they be hostile about someone flirting with them who isn't husband or wife? Yes or no? Uh, yes. Okay. You have your situation. <laughs> Go. <laughs> that's, that's sort of my two Q&As when it comes to mm-hmm. random characters people flirt with. Are they in a committed relationship? Yay, nay. Uh, I'd say yeah. Are they upset or would they be upset if someone else hit on them Man, nah. you know what i mean those like, are the two those are the two boxes you really have to make sure you take exactly off before diving at first right other then with that you kind of know the baseline of how they'd respond mm-hmm. and then you can play off of that's that like those are then those boxes you could tick off mentally in a nanosecond you know what i mean just like yeah they're with someone but they're cool with it there was someone Open in the relationship or close relationship. Yeah. Exactly. And once you click those boxes, it's like, have a time, go, you know? You guys want to hear a spoiler? Go for it. Okay, it's got to be cut out. Make a note. I, okay. Right. My last probing question, and then if you guys want to throw anything in the pot, please. Um, I, don't, I don't know how long you guys have, so no, we I can cut whenever. Soon. I got all okay. night. <laughs> cool. So we can, Lance, when you're, just let us know when you're done, we'll sign off officially and then me and spy can keep talking i guess um uh last probing question then um okay yeah all right we kind of danced around this so i think it's a nice thing to go uh as people who work in podcasting what is your stance on stuff to the effect of like working with other shows on stuff you know like we talked about the whole like i said my whole thing about collaboration over confrontation you know like, yeah. Why fight so, for a place in this in a in this group when you can work with someone on it? Um, and Tim Schull as a whole setting is very open to. Hey, is that a cool character you want to see on the show? Yeet their name over to me, and I'll make it happen. You know. <laughs> but that's just yeah. that's the way I was able. Just the setting in general allevi- allowed me to have such a nice way to connect that. You know. Yeah. Because like. When I started with the Frostwalkers, uh, me and Shay had a conversation about, like, what's our equivalent of a fantasy Costco? 
Yes. <laughs> because like people were able to submit weapons and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, we'll do one better. We'll let people throw in townsfolk. And then perfect, should... honestly. Yeah. Perfect for the setting. Exactly. But like with that in mind, then also like we've I've talked with both of you in the past about being like about like doing stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how much of that's gonna come to fruition because scheduling and other shit and where we are in stories See, and all that. The trouble with homebrew, especially in like my case of Adrian, where there's no like own interdimensional travel or whatnot, is it's really hard to find an excuse for other people's characters to Exactly. That's that was what I was gonna ask, because like your settings are different than Timshul. So how does your setting allow slash disallow for that yeah, sort of thing. especially and, since like the and very, as a personal creator what's your stance you know the very physics of adrian like the magical physics the arcane nature of the adrian universe is very different from um your base baseline vanilla D, which tim soul is using i mean basically tim soul is canonically like in favor right yeah yeah because most of my players were new was like the reason I made that choice was because most of my players were new setting and I didn't want to introduce them to the world of 5e and then say fuck that here's this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like uh, first time out let's let's stick with what you know, you know? Yeah. So I mean, I do want to work something out, but the beauty of the escape artists as a separate entity from the campaign of death and all his friends is that we can do like one shots with new characters and um, yeah yeah in different settings like um april so swords fall one yes it's like swords fall or april Fool's next year i want to do one shot set in my absurdist fantasy world of crundle um which i am super looking forward to oh god crundle is my wonderful. favorite of my world it's so fucking stupid i love it to death it's like that one person that you're just like, why am I f- with you? <laughs> but you're wonderful. Uh, but no, okay, yeah. Uh, Lance, for 20SA, for the sake of argument, like, how do you feel about that? With the setting you've created and so, also like uh, your stance as a creator. So I am like, I, one of the main reasons, like, okay, besides me being just a, a whore for space, um, <laughs> God, I that's mean, a mood. Are, are, we all <laughs> um and mainly because i really wanted to like challenge myself and not just have it in a in a single world setting right and that way i could also thanks for let the call my out imagination toast, explode guys. with you know <laughs> oh i want to do an ice thing okay let's go to an ice planet yeah for sure also thanks for the call hey, well, out hey toasts. there's this planet <laughs> over here that let's go to it uh Right. I mean, it lets you do whatever the, the hell you is, want. There it's great. are definitely opportunities where we could do a one-shot. Yeah. On Tim Schull. Or, you know, crashes into the world of lawful stupid. Or, you know, something like something like that. Yeah. It's not... Um, it's space magic. Like, not all the planets are gonna be advanced and, like, futuristic. Or they might be so more they are gonna have that like, kind of old timey fantasyness to it. Yeah, which and, is really cool. The so yeah, definitely. Fusion like, of I I don't really think I've ever future, seen the definitely fusion of have one classical. Yeah. 
Yeah. You guys still there? This planet throws this other podcast's world into chaos. You know. Yeah, it's fun. My Wi-Fi cut out for a minute. Oh, it's okay. But yeah, no, I totally agree. I just think, again, of course, it always comes down to when we can and when the story allows stuff like that to happen, you know? Like, that's my thing. Because, you know, in a blind dream world, you want to meet another crew of D&D players and you're instant, like, in the beauty of the universe, if everything was out great, you'd be like, hey, come play with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's your dream with any new person who you meet when you play D&D. Because you want to share stories. That's, that's the beauty of the game, is, like, it's all about just telling a good story with friends, you know? That's the, yeah, that's pretty much the point behind, right. I think, behind all of our podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, of course. Point. Yeah. So, of course, Dream World, you want to be like, hey, yeah, we can make that work. Let's do it, you know? But the realities of the situation sometimes mean that, like, you got to wait a while or it may not happen, you know? Yeah. Like, cause it's just not workable. In, whatever. You <laughs> know, I have so much planned for this first season. Like, I. My hope is to maybe have two or three seasons of Space Days. Right. Like, I think you've said, I think you've expressed that and other yeah. stuff, so that's not much of a spoiler. I'm just, no. <laughs> sorry, that wasn't to say anything bad. I was just, oh, no, I was no. like, do I make a note? <laughs> no, no I, I, my, my main goal is to have two or three seasons of this thing, because there's going to be so many loops and twists, and like I have them all planned in my head, and knowing my crew they're gonna mess something up so i'm gonna have even more loops and twists so right right it's you know it's and there's so there's gonna be plenty of time for those you know those one shots those those chances that we can get together and collaborate with other other groups and like my crew's already asking me for a beach episode i'm like guys it's only episode 14 come on beach (laughs) planet Hey, hey, man, it took me 10 episodes to cave to Ravnica, so. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, one of the posts on our, it was one of our earlier ones, actually, the, uh, Liferius postcard that we put up. Oh, God. It rings. Was, where, where did you put that? It's on where? Instagram. It's on Instagram, and actually Kaz made it. Oh, my God, wait, uh, I think I've seen it, but I just Liferius don't. Or something like that. I feel like I remember this, but I just don't remember from... I'm going to look right now. That's the beauty of cellular devices. Uh, <laughs> Truly. Yeah, I see it. Oh my god, yeah! I've seen it this whole time. Every time I go on your thing, I see it. And yet I always forget it exists. <laughs> yeah, so that is actually... Um, a go- it's going to be a really fun planet, because that's kind of a spa planet. Yes! Perfect. So it's it's right outside of the Thibis and the Kalto system. It's where, you know, the rich and famous kind of go to vacation and get away from their planet for a little while. And I'm, I'm really excited for that one because that is kind of the beach planet. Perfect. Ah, uh, amazing. So that's going to be fun. Also, for sure. to go down there. Ooh, so. yay. <laughs> Eat the rich. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> writing notes <laughs> oh god um but yeah uh i think on the whole 
and I know that question was both because we brought it up and I thought it'd be fun to pull on more, and also because I'm absolutely guilty. <laughs> and I'm sorry to the both of you. Because even this was me going like, you know what'd be fun? <laughs> and then and like you were right. It was fun, yeah. But the thing is like I always worry when those sorts of things happen and I tell me if you've heard this you come up with an idea you're like wow this is really cool and you realize it needs someone else's help to get done or another group of people who are your friends and you're just like oh no i'm going to annoy the shit out of this aren't i yeah that was my fear with starhopper like hey i need a lot of voices for this one (laughs) like inherently half the time your friends are like no, man, I actually had a good time with this, and I want to do it. It's just that scheduling and stuff can't let us right now. But what yeah. it turns into in your in your brain is, oh, God, they hate me. <laughs> yeah, when but, they say, this is really fun, but I anxiety. just don't have the time right now, it's, uh, yeah, no, this was fucking stupid, and I never want to do it again, so or, don't or, bother me with it. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, yeah. when, or when they say, I want to do this, give me time, it means... How do I skirt you? And like, <laughs> like how Anxiety do I make it? Anxiety is yeah. fun, isn't it? Saying. We should definitely clear this up for listeners. Like, this is not, this is not what it comes off as socially. That's just what our shit brains interpreted. Oh as. yes, yeah. that that's yeah. that, no, that was yeah. very much the yeah. point. We love all of you, and we know you all don't mean it. And I know you two don't. Like, I know Lance and I have had conversations about my boy someday appearing. No, you're Incredibly never bothered. Valid. Like, that's that's for sure. You're never a bother or anything like that. Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm like looking forward to it. I actually like. I'm. <laughs> my players have been a uh, getting on me. I promised them one on ones. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, and um, I think in one day, Dragon mentioned it to me about five times. Oh no! <laughs> I was finally just like, okay. Give me to the end of the day, and I'll have dates for you guys. And she's like, "Well, there's no worry, like there's no rush." And I'm just like, "You asked me five times when we're gonna do these today." That's a ru- that is a to rush, me, my friend. To be, to be honest, I haven't even started writing those yet. But okay, let's put you next Tuesday, you next Thursday, and um. Oh no. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I am so glad I'm on spring break so I can actually write this stuff. Oh yeah, and. This part I can also cut. I think the nice thing about having this little secret DM cabal now <laughs> is that uh, <laughs> is that if time comes where one of us is like, shit, shit, I'm fucked, I need help, the other could be like, dude, you have two of us here. <laughs> yeah. Real shit, I'm definitely going to be relying on the you. <laughs> no, please do. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to help. Uh, plus, like, it'll be I think this is nice. I think this is nice. It is. Uh, that's all I got. If y'all got questions to throw in the community pot, uh, go. But uh, I'm spent. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to ask, like, just generally, um, how do you guys do um, creatures? Like, ooh, what, ooh. How do you decide, like, what creatures to use in a particular session arc ever vola guide to monsters i mean that's a given <laughs> uh, uh yeah go ahead b i was just gonna say because 
Tim Schultz of 5e Fantasy, so I have the beauty of like the Monster Manual being something I can pull from. Uh, but Volos has like a handy thing where it's like, hey, is your main antagonist a coven of hags, mayhaps? And I went, yes, my main antagonist is indeed a coven of a wise book. And it was like, here's a list of minions they'd have. And I'm like, thank you, wise book. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just went with that. Meanlock were not on there. I just remember watching a top 10 countdown of like the scariest monsters in D&D and Mean Locks being number one. And I was just like, I want them now. <laughs> For ours, it's a little bit like it. The creatures are a little bit more thought out, like in the ways of I have to think about the atmosphere and like what the surrounding area is. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of go off of that of what kind of creatures would live there like actually in the next episode and you've you'll hear it in the um talking on the dominion but the crew is gonna have to go after this creature that i homebrewed that Ooh, is called fun. an icon are they the espion looking things they are they um <laughs> look how that was the <laughs> i'm sorry yeah, I no, no, it's good. Like I, so this creature, I, I actually have several homebrew creatures that I would just sit there and I would sit outside. I'd look at my farm animals and I draw random creatures based off of them. Like, that's oh, that's so cool. so cool! So that's what this was. Is I was looking at um, our rabbits and our cat, and I was sketching. And so this thing is like a mixture. It looks like between like a rabbit, a cat, and a kangaroo. Yes. So cute! It's That's a, so cool. Giant, like, biked scorpion tail. So it's like this is a a homebrew thing that they're gonna have to go after. And so this was like, okay, well, this thing exists on really dusty planets. Like it's hot. They, you know, they live in this kind of setting. And so every now and then, I will create these homebrew things where I'm like, okay, well, I don't want just like a dire wolf, or I don't want just a you know this goblin. thing you know i don't want a goblin i don't want just goblins. Goblins. i don't like them <laughs> i don't like goblins goblin <laughs> so it's one of those things i'll look and i'll be like okay well you know this creature lives in this kind of habitat oh but so does this creature hey let's mix them like, <laughs> i love it. the best part of creature design honestly is looking at real world environments and seeing what lives there and thinking like uh, for me like i like to think along the lines of evolution like okay mm-hmm. we know about this environment in real life what lives there what adaptations do these things have how can i mix and match these adaptations to make a cool creature that fits into the phylogeny of the world? phylogeny is a huge thing for me i'm a huge nerd for that stuff <laughs> yeah so like, like i can't just like i can't just stick like i can't mix like insect and mammals without like a good evolutionary basis for why that exists like centaurs don't exist in adrian they just don't because they are a huge middle finger to all of evolution and phylogeny (laughs) so um with adrian i went and for the for the races especially for the races that i have so far um i went and well for most of the humanoid races it was just a matter of like figuring out where they sit on the human evolutionary tree 
but for like the bugbears and the hobgoblins, uh, which are species of the same genus, uh, and for the tabaxi and lizard folk and the kenku, which I'll come back to in a moment, they were the most fun. Um, I took a long look at like what they are in D and D canon and how I can take those designs and basically Darwinize them into, right. you know, into real-ish creatures. And yeah. so with the tabaxi, um, I was looking through um, the vivarid mammals, which are uh, carnivores. Um, and I looked at a bunch of them, because in Sphera, the gnolls are based on binturongs. And then I was looking through the vivarids, and I came across gennets. And I was like, huh. Those look a lot like tabaxi already. So if they, just evolved, if they just evolved a humanoid form, they'd be tabaxi. So that's what they are canonically, is tabaxi are big humanoid gennets. Um, and I've actually worked with, uh, for, the, for the lizard folk, it wasn't even much of a, a browsing decision for me. It was just like, oh yeah, I've worked with uh, something called a Solomon Islands skink, or a prehensile-tailed skink. And I thought, yeah, that's an arboreal, a big fucking arboreal lizard that has a pretty good chance of evolving a really humanoid body shape. And there we have the um, lizard folk, the dragonborn in kobolds. Yeah. Um, and... I just realized, uh, I'm sorry. No, please, sorry. I just realized something that I wanted to mention. Um, all right. Uh, real quick, I just want to go over the No, please, please, please. The yeah. Kenku are my favorite because I was thinking, uh, I could go the boring old, they're just big crows route. But then my friends suggested for owl bears, what if they're big monotremes? Like, Ooh. if you know what a monotreme is, they're the Platypus. group that platypi and echidnas belong to. And I said, Alex, you're a goddamn genius. <laughs> and you just gave me an idea for the Kenku. So the Kenku are not birds. They are humanoid monotremes. That's awesome. And they live on this island called Shimura that is basically the Australia slash Madagascar Adrian. Where have, you noticed that the, have, have you noticed that the monotreme family is the family for I don't fucking know why this exists? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Evolution just Fair looked deep. at monotremes and went, yeah, you fuck off. <laughs> Evolution fan box. Basically. I, uh... My, but yeah, so Shimura is the land of the monotremes, and it's going to be really exciting because I have one of the sub-arcs of Death and All His Friends uh, is planned that they go to um, Shimura. That's one of the sites that they're going to visit is the big volcano in the center of Shimura. So it's going to be exciting to, to play nice. around with and create creatures for. My, uh, my thing for monsters is, like, not so much like the fantasy monsters, because Temptral does have that, but I... I couldn't be me if I didn't dive into my roots because the thing, the show that made me excited about writing was Doctor Who. And, uh, uh, and if there's nice. one thing you can give Doctor Who is that their monsters, when done well, are awesome. So oh, yes. And so that is like some of my favorite parts of story design is like making a good monster. And so as much as throwing goblins was a staple of like the first arc because it was High fantasy, it was a coven of hags, very basic, you know? 
And yeah. like as an introductory story, I thought that worked. And the same can be said in Ravnik because if I'm using that setting, I kind of want to use creatures that exist on that setting, you know. But as time goes on, especially with Ark, and also especially with the Dalem one shot that is happening, because me and Avon couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> um, nope, you're good. You're good. Uh, we made a one shot based on the kid characters that everyone drew, and we want everyone, someone, every each person takes one of them. Uh, and then the story happens, and the story is parents are away, there's going to be a party that the kids are throwing, and then they make it into the catacombs. Yes. And the catacombs of the castle have uh, creatures stored by Caleb's father, uh, the, the evil king. And you, the party unwittingly unleashes one of them. I won't spoil what it is. But if you spend time in the catacombs, before or after you unleash this creature, you can read the notes of the evil king and Calum's, I guess, addenda to those notes, where he tries to document what the hell is underneath the castle. <laughs> and uh, the Doctor Who writer and the SCP lover in me came out to play for uh, Fitzroy's Canacombs. So... Who, whatever, if anyone gets to play in those. Oh, by the way, Lance, <laughs> I'll cut this too. Avon wanted me to ask you. <laughs> I could send you the DM because I was like, Avon goes, hey, uh, which ones are taken? I'm like, the twins and Nicholas are taken. And she's like, cool, I can't decide between Kensher or, or Rin. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, whichever is fine. And then they just fucking throw the curveball at me. Oh, I'll pick the one Lance doesn't pick. I'm like, wait, they're playing? <laughs> and then they're like, you're going to make them. <laughs> So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry in advance. No, Livy is sorry. You're right. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, okay. Uh, so that's a conversation you and Avon need. I, I learned that some... as, a, as a DM. Just, okay. I'm Just sorry, okay. but uh, if you want to, the door is open. Okay. There, yeah, that's how I it'll will. play. Uh, okay. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, I Avon has kidnapped both of us at this point. <laughs> that is perfectly fine. She does that. She is the shipping queen, and I would not be surprised, like at she all. Kid she kidnapped us. Yeah, yeah. We're actually both in her basement right now. <laughs> yep. Uh, Speaking so the, from the basement. One thing that I'm really looking like, it's is he okay? So he's not a creature, but Sito is probably one of my most like complex homebrew creatures i can imagine yeah because uh, i like okay when i first brought sito into this he was not supposed to be a player like he was not supposed to be this big of a thing uh, he was he was just the ship's ai yeah. he was yeah he was just the ship's ai but they're like nope we love him what's he doing what is he doing where is sito what's going on with sito i'm like i uh mm, okay that's the but... one thing is the DM that you're not allowed to say is I. <laughs> that is the only thing that DMs are not allowed to say. I don't know. Because you have to know. It's your job. Exactly. Right. So I'm just like, uh. But Sito, I based him off of the fighter class. But I had to take, like, Warforge and Fighter. And then I homebrewed a whole bunch of stuff that he can do. Oh, that's fun. But nice. also later on are going to be 
creatures to his extent that are are monsters that's cool so taking off of like sito's stuff there's going to be monsters of sito's status of homebrew and mechanics and all this stuff oh that's god really that's fun. so cool steampunk machinery or not even steampunk videos would be more like sci-fi but just evil machines allow you so much fun one of my especially favorite, like arcane punk stuff yeah one of my is... favorite antagonist machines i ever created was a robot named Dr. Sawbones, which, I say, <laughs> which was a medical drone, very loosely based off of, if anyone remembers, The Clone Wars. Yes. Uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Do you remember the episode where like, they were in General Grievous's home and there was that little robot that would, yes. like, repaired him? Yes. Like, the design of the repair robot. But uh, his whole deal was he was a surgeon droid until he got a literal just something happened and he messed up a bit. And then his brain equated surgery to rip out someone's heart and put in a sprocket <clears throat> and then someone some moron was like oh let's just jettison him out from the space station onto a plane. that'll work yep that's that'll fine. work and then uh just sick them on whatever i was dealing with <clears throat> it was great because it there was as much fun as enemies with a lot of like moral dichotomy and dilemma are Sometimes it's evenly fun to throw something at the players or the party where there's like no conscience needed. Like it's an yeah. evil robot, break it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's very it's much simpler than you know building uh, a well built villain. It like, is. I mean, sometimes it's sometimes you need a well built villain, especially for like main antagonist status. But oh, like, yeah. like if your big bad evil guy should be a well built. Right. Probably. Like, this is, again, it's your discretion, but probably it, my recommendation is make your big bad evil guy be a good villain. And then just in the meantime, throw whatever the hell you want at your players. They, they'll yeah. just have to deal with it. One yeah. of my favorite things is the whole saying of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh, that's fun to play with. Tenuous to, alliances. When it comes to big bad evil guys, like that may may come up a little bit later, but that's that's one of my favorite. Like, like you thought this person was the bad guy, but hey, wouldn't it be a shame if there was an even worse person? Oh boy. I love that. I love pulling that shit. I pulled uh, that with the Order of the Red Eye in a very like uh-huh sort of way but i enjoyed it uh, in the first arc where caleb was like i'm sure the hags are the extent of it and uh minor spoiler alert but by the time by the time this is up i won't need to cut it um <clears throat> at the very end the final hag is just like you're an idiot if you think i'm the strongest person in this conglomerate and caleb's just like damn it <laughs> damn it i've been called out <laughs> guys i gotta jump off but this yeah. was fun it was that's great.
everyone, I'm Sito, the AI aboard the Miss Lily. I'm sorry to interrupt your regularly programmed podcast, but I wanted to tell you about my family who star in the 20-Sided Adventures podcast, a D&D 5e space opera. You have Captain Botchus. What? Are you recording, Sito? He's a good guy, but he needs to work on his hugs. Hey! There's Nora. Yes? Do you need something, Sito? She's a beautiful princess who can kick butt. Aw, thank you! And Daythorn. Hmm? Ready for a story, Sito? Oh! She's super smart and reads lots of books. You can catch our space adventure right now and then every Wednesday starting in March. Okay, gonna start without you. Ah, uh, coming! Are we reading about the lost ones? Thank <laughs> you.